This is the weekly Parsha Shior with Rabbi Chaim Bravender of Atid and WebYeshiva.org. Recorded live in Jerusalem at Beit Knesset Haramban. Visit www.webyeshiva.org for live interactive online shiurim today. The Parsha of Shalat is the Parsha of the uh, Avon HaMeraglim. And it's hard for us to understand how this could actually take place. I mean, B'nai Yisrael knew that they were on their way to Eretz Yisrael. That was the purpose of Yitziat Mitzrayim. They had already sinned dramatically at the Egel and had spent many years wandering around. Or they, I'm confusing two different things. They, they sinned at the Egel and they were punished. All of a sudden, the time comes to go to Eretz Yisrael. This should be the end of the Torah, should be this parasha that everybody goes to Eretz Yisrael. And then, it's finished. It's finished. We have the Brit at the end of Ayikra. We have going to Eretz Yisrael. That's the end. There's no more terror. Yeah, yeah. So what was it, what was it that convinced B'nai Yisrael that they had a problem? I mean, Going back to the tribe seems inconceivable, even though the complaints of B'nai Israel included that. What was it? What, what was the problem that B'nai Israel perceived? Like there's a machlokas with the story in Devarim and the story here in Bamidbar, who really organized this? Was it Moshe Rabbeinu? Was it B'nai Israel? What was it that the, the Miraglim didn't understand? Okay, they came to Eretz Israel, they saw strong walled cities, they saw, you know, tough guys, big, tough. I mean, but still, they had it, you know, their information was that Kodesh Baruch Hu was going to lead them into Israel. What difference does it make what the people look like? And we all know that, in fact, when finally they got to Eretz Israel, they ran around Yericho, they blew a chauffeur, and all the walls came tumbling down, as you may have heard. Right, so that, in fact, in fact, if you could make the walls come tumbling down by blowing the chauffeur, you don't really have to be too afraid of what's going on in Eretz Yisrael. So I remember, you know, the pre explains it this way. You know, there's like a... The pre says that it was an optical illusion. What was the optical illusion? They were in the Midbar. All they did was learn Torah in the Midbar. They went to Moshe Rabbeinu Shir every day. Everybody went. If you wanted to get a Chazorah of Moshe Rabbeinu Shir, you went to Yoshua Bin Nun. And if that wasn't enough for you, so you went to a few uh, Kohanim, Aaron Akohen, you had all kinds of little Shiur of Chazorah over Moshe Rabbeinu Shir. This took place every day. Now it's true they didn't get a Kolel salary, but, but, that the month, I mean, you can't beat it. You know, whatever you want to eat on that particular day, that's what you eat. You just think it, and it becomes it. So, um, that's the man. That's the support. Uh, everything else, everything else was perfect. So, they, they said to themselves, well, maybe we had the wrong idea that you had to go through a state of misery in order to get to a state of, you know, celestial bliss. 
but we've already gone through the misery in Eretz Mitzrayim, and here we are in the Midbar, which has suddenly become a wondrous place for us to live. So, we, we must have misunderstood, you know, there is this way that we have with speech like Adam and Chava, like how come they listen to the Nachash? It doesn't matter. But the Gemara says that they listened to the Nachash because they thought that's what God really wanted. It, it was where things get verbalized, where things become put into the context of words, that suddenly you don't know what they mean. You know, like if, if, uh, if somebody walks up in the street and, stank, and gives you a whack, she says, oh, he's not my friend. But if somebody gets up at a dinner and says things about you, you don't know if he's your friend, he's not your friend, what does he say? What does say? You, know, you have no idea. So there's this optical illusion that's caused by words. Even the words of God are illusory. And so when the Nachash said, God didn't mean that, he meant this. God didn't mean don't eat it at all. He meant that don't eat it on Tuesday. So they said... Adam and Chava, they said, oh, well, we'll try it. Let's push. If you remember the Chash said, if you touch the Eitzadat, nothing's going to happen. What's the connection between touching and eating? Well, I don't know. But they thought there was a connection, right? They thought that if they touched the tree and the tree did not oppose it, then they could eat from the tree. Because you know what it says in the in the Pasuk, Eitz Pri, you know Eitz Pri, and Eitz Osa Pri, those two versions, and Rashi says, Eitz Pri, this is all a digression, you know. Eitz Osa, Rashi says that Eitz Pri is Eitz Shetam Eitzo Upirio Shoveh. That if you eat the tree, it tastes like the Pri. Right? At the end, uh, we say, the Gemara says, Esro is an example of Eitz Shetam Eitzo Upirio Shoveh. So, so they figured the tree must be exactly like the pree. You don't usually eat the tree, but you can touch the tree, so maybe it's the same tzivui. So the Nachash said, try it. Try touching the tree. See what happens. So they did it. Nothing happened. So they, they continued and they said, maybe if you could touch the tree and nothing happens, maybe you can eat the pree, which is the same as the tree, and nothing will also happen. So that the way the Gemara understands it, the way the Gemara understands the Chet of Adam Arisho, there's always a problem of communication. Which is why, perhaps, we, the Jewish people, have spent the last 2,000 years of trying to figure out what everything means. Even when it seems to be quite obvious, like you read the Mishnah, and it seems, well, that's what the Mishnah says, but then you read the Gemara, and then you're really in trouble. Because the Gemara had a sense that without a lot of precision, you're going to make a mistake. And so, Adam and Chava made a mistake because they misunderstood what God, or they were able to misunderstand. And so you have the pre, the pre says that B'nai Yisrael misunderstood. They misunderstood. What they thought was that they were going, that the purpose of Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim could get to the place where Torah could be learned best. And they figured that they were already there. They couldn't imagine that it could be better. And this, this problem about what best is in relation to Eretz Yisrael without, you know, 
being too political about it, which you know I don't like to do, but uh, without being too political about it, remains with us to this day. Right? It's like, uh, is Eretz Israel a dream? And we have to work towards that dream, and that includes whatever you put into the dream, whether, whatever paragraphs you put into the dream. Or is the only dream sitting and learning Torah? And if a lot of people are sitting and learning Torah, so they, we've already re- achieved the dream. What difference does it make whether we achieve a few more square kilometers of territory or not? The important thing is you have a lot of people in Israel learning Learning Torah. It's a different way of learning it, of looking at it. So it could be, that's what the pre-Tzadik says. The pre-Tzadik says that the Jews were, had an optical uh, uh, illusion. They didn't understand that HaKadosh Baruch Hu wanted them to work and to make something. In, in, in the land of creation. Not just to be learners of Torah, but to be able to use the Torah to make a society, to make a world, to make the world. Like everybody uses these words. And they mean something else. You have to always ask them what they mean after they say that you have to make the world. But it's clear, it's clear that the Torah has a path. It's a directive. And, uh, and is Eretz Yisrael an end in itself? Or is Eretz Yisrael the place where Torah will be able to be achieved? That's not quite clear even to this, to this day. So that according to the pre it's not so remarkable not remarkable at all, that B'nai Yisrael were confused. So they were confused. And uh, what we want to talk about today is what the Torah tells us after the confusion and after the, uh, the uh, uh, Miraglim come back and everybody's crying and everything. it's a terrible scene. So we know that there was a punishment. And the punishment is here in Pasuk Lamed, in Atem Tavola Aretz, Ashanasati et Yadil Shakenit Kemba, Kim Kaleb ben Yifunevi, Yoshua ben Nun, says, the whole nation is guilty. The whole nation is guilty, and then none of them will come to, uh, none of them will come to Eretz Yisrael, and that's the punishment. We know that the punishment was not that they were all killed at once, but during the next 38 years they wander around the desert, and they die natural, they die natural deaths. Now, Pasuk Mem, this is Pasuk Mem in Perak Yudalit. Pasuk Mem tells us a second story. A story that took place after the Miraglim. Vayashkimu baboker, vayalu al-rosh ha-harlei mor heinenu va'alinu el-amakom ha-shamar Hashem, ki chatanu. B'nei Yisrael realizing that they made a mistake, that they'd seen things incorrectly, decided on their own to take two steps back and to go to Eretz Yisrael. It was like, so to ignore what happened with the Miraglim, or what happened with the punishment, and they're going to go to Eretz Yisrael, they're going to go on their own. Right? We have sinned, and we're going to recant. We're going to start over again. I just put down a, a few of these psukim. Uh, so now Moshe Rabbeinu, interestingly enough, has created a, a, another kind of, a, of an issue. 
about Eretz Yisrael. That it's possible to be commanded not to go to Eretz Yisrael. I mean, such a thing is possible. And when does Moshe Rabbeinu say that that happened? After the Chet Maraglim. There was a new thing. The Akkadish Brothers said, you're all going to die in 38 years, and your children and grandchildren, they're the ones who will go to Eretz Yisrael. So, could I accept the anti-Bellum directive? Can I say, I still want to do the mitzvah of going to Eretz Yisrael, even though HaKadosh Baruch Hu told me not to go to Eretz Yisrael. So, you know that today, this remains an issue of the Jewish people. There are those who accept the argument, like the Satwa Rebbe said, if you were sent in exile, Sit and wait for something good to happen. That's what exile means. And the modern Orthodox, they say, we're coming, but not yet. In other words, they also, there's like no difference. There's no, no real difference except that the Satmar guys wear black coats <laughs> and the modern Orthodox, they wear colored shirts. The it, it, it doesn't matter, but the Sahakol, the operative part is don't go anywhere. That's the operative part. You live in Borough Park or Muncie or uh, Teaneck. It doesn't matter. I don't mean that no one goes. I mean, you'd be surprised to learn that there is Satma Hasidim who come in Aliyah. <laughs> People come in Aliyah. But it's not like, it's, it's like a life's choice. You know, like if you got a job as a computer programmer in Seattle and you grew up in New York, so it would be like, uh, you'd have to decide. You have to think, do I want to go to Seattle? I mean, you know, it rains all the time in Seattle. So, uh, so the Ba'atseh, the Ba'atseh right here at this point was invented a, a, a new law. Don't go to Eretz Yisrael. That's the new law. And you can, you can see, not only does the Torah say, don't go to Eretz Yisrael, but it punished those who went to Eretz Yisrael, who transgressed the law. Like we call them Mapilim, Pilu, and they were punished. The Amaleki and the Kanani did them in. They weren't able to move in the direction of Eretz Yisrael because God was not with them. So that's the story. And besides the story, so we, we pointed out the fact that the hate of the Miraglim is a difficult transgression to understand. I told you what the Pritzadik says. After the punishment is set in, the Chumash seems to teach us that there's a new transgression in the world. Going to Eretz Yisrael. We're not supposed to go to Eretz Yisrael. And that transgression, that transgression is, uh, is, uh, like in our gut someplace. You know, like everybody can use it as a justification for not coming to Eretz Yisrael, even today. Even in, in, in our time. <laughs> it's like, it's like it's funny. I grew up in a... When I grew up, I went to a day school. And that day school was considered to be very Zionistic. You know, the day school that I went to. In retrospect, in retrospect, I think what they meant was that on Israeli national holidays, they took note. You know, the kids would make posters and stick them on the walls and, you know, we're all for Israel. That kind of... That, so that's the school I went to. 
However, however, in this school that I went to, all the teachers who taught Jewish subjects were your dick. <laughs> Every one of them. They weren't even transients. They were all your dick. The Shiva Flatbush. They were all your dick. And uh, I was a Zionist in high school. Uh, like I got mixed up with the Akiva. And, you know, I was a Zionist. I hated my teachers. <laughs> not me, not personally. Like, it didn't matter. But they were all your dim. So I fixed myself in retrospect. What was the message? Was the message, everybody should go to Israel, but we're going to have a little safe haven for people who want to leave. <laughs> or was it that it's all fake and you shouldn't really go to Israel? I don't, I don't know. Today, today it's different. And the teachers today are usually Americans who spent a number, enough years in Israel to learn how to speak Hebrew and then go back to America. So they're not, uh, it's not quite the same. Like, I don't know. How, but, you know, I don't think Aliyah as an ideologically, as an ideological commitment is very strong. You know, it's like Florida. You can go there, you cannot go there. If it's good for you, you go there. That's what I think. But, you know, I hope I'm wrong. So, so the Torah then teaches us. The Torah then teaches us an interesting thing. So, you see, Bamidbar, Perik Tetvav. Perik Yudalim is, the, is about uh, uh, the Miraglim and the Mapilim. Perik Tetvav, the next Perik, starts an interesting topic. By the way, Hashem Moshe Leimod, Abel Bereizu, Matalihem, Oh, that sounds good. It's like the Torah says, you will come to Eretz Yisrael. Could mean when you come to Eretz Yisrael, like sort of this doubt, but we could give it a more optimistic interpretation and say, when you come, you will surely come. You'll surely come to Eretz Yisrael. What do you do when you come to Eretz Yisrael? And then there's a parasha of Nisachim. Nisachim. Nisachim are libations. For many years I didn't know what the word libation meant, but I was afraid to ask. I was embarrassed. But libations, I mean, were, I thought they were, but I couldn't figure out how it fits in. Libations are pouring things on the Mizbeh, when you pour on the Mizbeh. So, usually it's wine. Wine is the preferred libation in the temple, but it could be water. And it could even be oil sometimes. So, what? The mincha as well. Right? well. Yes. Yeah. Now listen. What Corbin was I talking about? The Tomis. You're right. Alright. So of course the obvious question, because we're all Talmudim of Rashi, is what's the connection? Well, why did there it now? after this distressing history of the Jews and the Meraglim and Eretz Yisrael and the Mapilim, why does the Torah start telling us about Nisachim? Okay, Kitabo Aris is very nice. Rashi says, Kitabo, he told them, that they will come to Eretz Yisrael. That's the way Rashi, uh, Rashi understands. So Rashi says, Kitabo means when you come to Eretz Yisrael, you will surely come to Eretz Yisrael. That's Rashi. 
Pasuk Hei, Pasuk Hei, it said, Kebes Haichad, Kebes is a problem in the Pasuk, I don't want to deal with it now, but it sort of hangs off the Pasuk, it's Kebes Haichad, Al-Kala Mulemala, Humusav Ala Minchav Ala Shemin Vala Yai, not only on the Kebes, but on all of the Korbanot that you give uh, Nisachim. All right, that's what the... Let's look at the Rambam. Let's look at the Rambam. That's a right? The punishment is only for the ones who over twenty So the Torah, the Rambam says this in his introduction to the book of Bamidbar. He says that some things are left over. Right? There are things that most of the Korbanos are discussed in the book of Ayikra. But there are some things that are left over and they appear in the book of Bamidbar. The Rabban says it. Like he's not so concerned about it. So why? Why are they left out? Why, why could they put them all in the book of Ayikra? That doesn't matter. So he says, That's what we learn. When they come to Eretz Yisrael, they have to know that there are Nisachim, there are these libations. Right, maybe the reason that the Torah, was, on the one hand, is left out of Vayikra, so it has to be someplace in Bamidbar. How come this is the place? How come this is the place that the Torah tells about this Achim? To give them to solace, to give them solace, and to promise them that they will get to Eretz Yisrael. Ve'im, <coughs> he says, I'm sorry, ki hayu no ashim lemo, mi yodea ma yelo archaya min lesof abayim shana. So b'nei Yisrael, this is a theme that the Ramban uses again and again, b'nei Yisrael were distressed what they, were they distressed about? After all, they got a sentence for 38 years in the desert. After the 38 years, they're going to Eretz Yisrael. So, they should be happy. You know, I mean, they're alive. They'll continue to live. They'll learn in the desert with Moshe Rabbeinu. And then they'll go to Eretz Yisrael. Their children and grandchildren will go to Eretz Yisrael. But according to the Ramban, according to the Ramban, you know Ashim. They were in a state of distress. Why were they in a state of distress? As the Rabban says it, Mi yodeya ma yel orach yamim l'sof arba'im shana. Who knows who they will be after 40 years? Who knows if the 40 years of wandering around in the desert will change them and make them into a different people who are not going to do the chet hamaraglin? Maybe they'll be exactly the same. And that may be why Yehoshua said maraglin to Eretz Yisrael, Yehoshua, he said, he's not going to send maraglin, we're going to get through it. It's going to work for us. But he, he said, he, there's no reason to send Miraglim. He knew where Yericho was. Right? And that's where he had to get to. So, uh, So, HaKadosh Baruch Hu wanted to console them. Ki b'tzavotso otam b'mitzvat ha'aretz hivtiham 
שגלוי לפניו שיבוא ויהושעו אותנו. That's what HaKadosh Baruch Hu says. Not that at the end of 40 years you will have permission to go to Eretz Yisrael, but after 40 years you will surely go to Eretz Yisrael. You'll be worthy of going to Eretz Yisrael. Don't worry. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. V'hinei tziva b'nesachim. Is that what we're up to? V'hinei tziva b'nesachim ba'aretz ba'atotam olotu zvachim. And the command is nesachim. To make nesachim in olotu zvachim. Ki v'amidva lo nitchaivu b'nesachim levad b'tamid. Sh'nehmar bo v'nesach v'nesach v'v'yitahin ya'in l'kevet ha'achat. In other words, in the desert, they also gave korbanot. And they also gave Nisachim, but only on Korbanot Sibur. Only on Korbanot Sibur. And not on a Korban Yachid. So in the parasha of Naso, where all of the Nisim bring Korbanot to the Mishkan, to the new Mishkan, it's a kind of a, of a, uh, it's a bad word, right? There's some other word. Christening of the Mizbeach, like that. That's a, what? Uh, that sounds like a president or something. What? How do you inaugurate a, a, a boat without christening it? You have to christen it? Okay, so what? It doesn't matter. He says, uh, so the Nisim brought all the korbanot. Each Nasi from each tribe brought all the korbanot, but they did not bring Nisachim, the Ramban says. They didn't bring Nisachim. Rabotenu nechakuba zemehem shehumru b'sifri bakatul ha-metcha shelo nechayvu b'nisachim elu b'yatam la'aretz ve'elach so the second part of the Ramban, let us say it's connected to the first part of the Ramban. What's the first part of the Ramban? He says that God says to B'nai Yisrael, you will surely go to Eretz Yisrael. Don't worry about it. Why did God have to say that according to the Ramban? Because the people were in a state of distress. They said, look, we messed up here in the Midbar. We didn't, uh, we didn't, we listened to the Miraglin. We did something stupid and crazy. Who says, how do we know that we're not going to remain stupid and crazy in the future? We have this in us. We like have this uh, genetic aberration. Uh, we're, we're like willing to kind of confuse ourselves. Not be clear about what God wants of us. So that's what, that's what the Ramban says. Second half of the Ramban. He says, and you know about the Sachim. The Sachim, uh, uh, they didn't give them in the Midbar. Now, there is a machloket about whether it's Korbanot Sibur, they gave the Sachim or not. But everybody seems to agree that as far as the other Nisachim that go with Korbanot Yachid, they didn't give it. They didn't bring them in the Midbar. Everybody seems to agree. So, so if everybody seems to agree, so what does Ramban want from us? So he says... This is how it goes. HaKadosh Baruch Hu says to Avram Avinu, HaKadosh Baruch Hu says to Avram Avinu, here's Eretz Yisrael, you get it. What does Avram Avinu say? Vamoidah ki Hashemah. What's the pshat? Avram Avinu is very close to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, according to the Rambam. 
But very close to Hakadosh Baruch Hu. Hakadosh Baruch Hu says that you're going to get Eretz Yisrael. What is he asking? Bamai daki Yerushena. So the Gemara says. Rashi quotes a little bit of the Gemara. The Gemara says in Tanis that comes the item of the The Gemara says that Avraham said, "What happens if my children are not worthy of Eretz Yisrael?" Bamai daki Yerushena. He says he knew that there was a connection between worth and Eretz Yisrael. So Avraham Avinu was not willing to take that promise at face value. And so Avraham Avinu said, what's going to be? So Kodesh Baruch said, look, as long as they give Korbanot, there's a Beit HaMikdash. So Avraham Avinu said, what happens if there's no Beit HaMikdash? What happens if Beit HaMikdash is destroyed? So Kodesh Baruch said, as long as I'll say the parasha of the Korban Tomid, but say the Chumash, the Pesukim of the Chumash, like we say every morning in Pesukim, uh, the, the, what's it called? No, Brachos. Brachos is called. We say it in Brachos every day. So that merit will get us Eretz Yisrael. So you see, at the, right from the beginning, the promise of Eretz Yisrael was held to be confusing. Because everybody, Avraham Avinu and Ad, understood that Eretz Yisrael was not like getting a watch. You had to be worthy of Eretz Yisrael. And so here you have these people who have just gone to, through the Chet HaMaraglim. Right? They went through the Chet HaMaraglim. They were clearly not worthy. They were clearly punished. HaKadosh Baruch says, Ki which could be understood in two ways. Rashi's way, which is that you will surely come to Eretz Yisrael, but the regular people's way, which is more like, if you come to Eretz Yisrael. So they're left in the same. There's, there's really no promise. They're the same emotional, emotionally handicapped, just as they were before. So Allah comes to turn and says, Nisachim. And what does the Ramban teach us about Nisachim? That they didn't do it in the Midbar. That means there's Torah. That's what God showed them. Here's Torah that is not done in the Midbar. It's not done in the Midbar. It's true, Korbanot Tzibur, like the Korban Tamid every day, there there might be Nisachim, but Korbanot Yachid, no, no Nisachim. Should there be Nisachim? There should be Nisachim. So the Ramban said, he doesn't say it, we'll say it for the Ramban. The Ramban said, if you don't go to get the Eretz, you keep the bowl Haaretz, you can assured, be assured that that's going to happen. Because if you don't get the Eretz Israel, the Torah of Nisachim will never exist. That's why the parsha of Nechassim follows the parsha of the Meraglim. In order to assure B'nai Yisrael who are despondent about their own kind of emotional makeup, in order to assure B'nai Yisrael that they will go to Eretz Yisrael and that they will, I guess, be worthy of going to Eretz Yisrael, and they will be able then to give the Nesachim, the Nesachim that the Torah demands in certain Korbanot. And even though it took over 400 years until the Beit HaMikdash was built, and even though the Jews, uh, at least from what we know of it, the history of Am Yisrael and Eretz Yisrael was not glorious. Right? Yoshua, the book of Yoshua is about wars and other uh, distasteful matters. Uh, Shoftib is, uh, is about um, how the northern kingdom 
uh, the northern half of Am Yisrael, right? Not Yehuda. The, the book of Shoftim says that Yehuda managed to chase out the idolaters. And therefore, the book of Shoftim doesn't talk about Yehuda. It only talks about the northern tribes where the idolatry reigned even after the settling of, of Eretz Yisrael. So it took hundreds of years until David Amelech came along and made some kind of a uh, straighten things out a little bit so that the Beit HaMikdash could be built. But the building of the Beit HaMikdash itself apparently was the destruction of Am Yisrael, of the unified nation of Israel, because after the Beit HaMikdash, Shalom died, and the country split the country split into two, so that the history of Am Yisrael and Eretz Yisrael is, to say the least, checkered. And it's not at all obvious that B'nai Yisrael were worthy of Eretz Yisrael when they came to Eretz Yisrael. Nevertheless, they did establish the Beit HaMikdash. And they did establish the Avodah in the Beit HaMikdash. And they did bring the Nesachim that had to be brought for the various Kormanos, and so that the Ramban's idea, the Ramban's idea that the Nisachim represent the guarantee that uh, B'nai Yisrael will be able to build a world in Eretz Yisrael, around the Beit HaMikash, that that guarantee, in fact, was fulfilled.